Hi, everyone. Dr. Liz here. Happy New Year. I have not talked to you since the New Year started. That's because I was traveling and took two whole weeks off, which is pretty much unheard of for me, but it was well needed and well enjoyed. If you've listened to the podcast for a long time, you know that my oldest daughter studied abroad in Italy in 2019 and 2020 and then was evacuated in March of 2020. She was studying art history in Florence, Italy. I had tickets to go visit her with my younger daughter in May of that year, which obviously got canceled. So we all three went back, including uh, Mia's, my oldest boyfriend. He went with us as well. And we went back to Italy to see where she lived and the streets she walked and where she ate breakfast every day and where she had lunch and all of that good stuff, as well as to see ancient works of art, of course. So we had a really, really wonderful time. We went to Florence and then Rome as well. She was supposed to go to Rome as part of her program, but that trip was actually planned for like the week after they got evacuated. So she was so disappointed to not go to Rome and see the Colosseum and uh, the Sistine Chapel and that type of thing. She was so excited because there were cuneiform tablets in the Vatican museums. So I didn't realize that the Vatican museums were so extensive. So there's like miles of Vatican museums pretty much leading up to the Sistine Chapel that Michelangelo painted. They have all this art in them. So she saw these tablets and was like so excited. She said, you have no idea how rare these are. She knows so much history. History about art is pretty amazing. Uh, she laid out timelines for us and made sure we were educated as well. And um, just had a really, really nice time seeing lots of art in Rome that she had wanted to see. Now, we all did get COVID during the trip, which we didn't really know until we came back. So you may hear that in my voice today. I still have the sniffles some and my voice is not quite back to normal yet. I was the last one to get it. Thank God. (laughs) All four of us ran fever and then the cough and sniffly nose and all of that stuff. Mine did not start until um, about the, the evening that I got back. All right, that's my New Year's update. Remember that I have so much information about setting goals and journaling. I don't set New Year's resolutions because I set goals on my birthday. Every year I set that number of goals for the year coming. I'm 53 and this year I thought there's just no way I can do 53 goals (laughs) and I surpassed it. I went to like 60 or 61 or something. I was like, wow, impressed myself. But on my YouTube channel, there are lots of different ways to set goals. Usually I do a goal setting episode at the beginning of the year, but not this year. This year we're changing it up, people. All right. What you're going to hear is a replay of HM51, which talks about multiple sclerosis, MS, and hypnosis, and how Skylar Hamilton, who did not have her PhD at the time, she had not graduated yet, so she wasn't Dr. Hamilton yet, but how she put her MS into remission with hypnosis, which is pretty unheard of and amazing. Now that she does have her PhD and she is Dr. Hamilton, she specializes in the field of medical hypnosis and she sees all kinds of stuff go into remission pretty regularly. 
So this interview was taken down for a couple of years because at the time she was looking for a job and didn't want the information out there. Whenever you have a chronic condition like that, it's always a consideration about whether you should tell your employer. And at the time, she wanted a little more privacy around it. But she's in a different place in her life right now, and she's given permission to re-air it in preparation for next week's episode where she gives us an update. So next week's episode is going to be 259 and she gives us an update about the MS and she also talks about quantum biology and quantum healing and how hypnosis plays a part in that and the kind of work that she's doing. It is a fascinating conversation. So I do encourage you to keep an eye out for next week's episode. It's going to air on January 20th, 2023. Again, episode 259. So if you're listening to this far in the future, then you'll know which one to look for. But I hope you enjoy the original one. Um, My audio has improved quite a bit since then. So just keep that in mind. This aired my very first season of doing the podcast. So that was 2017. So audio in general has improved since then. All right, everyone, I hope your 2023 is better than the last year, and I wish you much peace and happiness. So today's interview is with Skylar Hamilton. She is unbelievable. This interview is really just going to blow you away. She was at one point so debilitated with MS that she was in a wheelchair. She had nurses coming into her house to help take care of her. She was really, really sick. And this was years before I met her. So I met her at hypnosis conference through Florida Society of Clinical Hypnosis. And um, we just got talking and really liked each other and just kept talking in her story about how she used hypnosis to help heal her MS just blew me away at the time that I met her. And now doing this interview, I got so many more details that sometimes you don't have enough time to talk to people at conferences. She also talks about her husband, Jim, who has a rare form of cancer that will never go away and how he used hypnosis to help reduce the side effects and help his own healing, how he uses it towards health on like a maintenance basis even. So that's a really important piece of the interview that she talks about that again is absolutely fascinating. And then the final piece that she focuses on is her transformational work with women opiate addicts who are in a residential setting and what she began to see in them as she began to use hypnosis with them. If you have MS and you want to be part of her study or an opiate addiction, you want to be part of her study, please contact her. She is working on a dissertation to be able to get some data around the hypnosis and connection with these diseases. So please contact her. She will be happy to hear from you. And her contact information is at the end of the interview as well as the show notes. Right before we jump in here, just a note that Skylar talks about a woman who has hepatitis B during the podcast and she later came back and said, I need to correct that as actually hepatitis C. So please note that as we move forward. 
Hi, Skylar. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so happy to have you today. I know you have such an interesting story. And when I first met you, I heard more about it, and we've gotten to know each other over the years. Can you tell the listeners how you first experienced hypnosis and how it transformed your life? Well, I first experienced hypnosis, uh, it was actually over 20 years ago, and I didn't even know it was hypnosis. Uh, I was what's called a free diver, and I would hold my breath and dive down 100, 120 feet underwater, and I would go in a trance-like state. Mm -hmm. Trance-like state, I would focus on lowering my heart rate, about 38 beats a minute, and holding my breath for up to five minutes. So I, I experienced a sense of euphoria and realized my mind can actually control my heart rate and my need for how much oxygen my brain needs. Um, and so I was doing that for 15 years. And then my second experience was when I discovered, oh my gosh, all along I'm doing hypnosis. And I, I did a hypnobirth with my second born. Oh, I didn't know either one of these facts. <laughs> this is fascinating. <laughs> I've actually read a lot about free diving. I'm just sort of fascinated by it. So I had no idea you were doing free diving and it is absolutely a trans state. It, it is. And it, it it's, it's trans, you, you, it's a trans state where you actually go somewhere else. And that's when I realized the power of the mind is almost indescribable to be able to hold your breath for five minutes with no struggling. Uh -huh. and, you, and you just take your next breath as if you just took a breath three seconds prior. And that was all through a trance-like state. Yeah. Amazing. I know the free divers, like they train on dry land, you know, they train in the water too, but they also train in dry land to be able to slow down the heart rate, go into that trance state, overcome some of the body's um, resistance to that, right? Yes, we call it the bad monkeys. The bad monkeys. The bad monkeys in your head telling you, breathe, breathe, breathe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And But that they can, they do. And but what I during the training is I would tell myself, I know my brain can go so long without oxygen. I am perfectly safe and okay. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's training your brain to know that you're okay, even if you feel you're not okay, which this comes into play 20 plus years later in my practice, learning mm -hmm. you're okay, even if you're not okay. But it was also battling going to 120 feet. It's probably 68 degrees down there. Um, and it's pitch black. Mm-hmm. So it's training the brain, I'm okay, even though every fiber in my being is telling me this is not natural, yes. which again comes into play later in life. Mm, very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of fear that comes up, like pitch black down under the water. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you have to overcome it to be able to remain there. Then um, with hypnobirth, I ran a lady who had seven children, and I asked her, how did you do it? Uh, and she introduced me to hypnobabies, and that's when I formally became a formal student of hypnosis. I hired a doula um, who was trained in hypnobirth, and I had written down on my birth plan, I want to give birth in less than an hour, and I want to have two to four pushes. Wow. <laughs> this is a, a pretty, like... Um... <laughs> I don't know, uh, ambitious goals, right? It, it <laughs> one, was. one hour birth. But I realized, I already realized through, you know, 
the 20 years of experience controlling my mind through hypnosis to, to do amazing feats that my body has been programmed for millions of thousands of years to be able to give birth. This was a natural thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I trusted my mind and I trusted my body and I did it in 46 minutes and I did it in three pushes. Oh my gosh. Whoa. And I was in such a trance. I was laying on my side and I, I guess the uh, monitors had come off my waist and I looked at my doula and I said, I'm ready. And she goes, what do you mean you're ready? And I said, it's time. And I started pushing, laying on my side. And she calmly reaches over and calls for the nurse. And the nurse comes in and just starts screaming over the, in- the intercom, stat, Dr. Ott, stat to room, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor comes in and said, everyone blow out a candle. And <laughs> The baby was already, her head was already out and I was already delivering the baby and they said the monitors, they thought I was sleeping and I, I felt there's no indication of pain. They were not paying attention because I I was so deep in hypnosis, but yet so were my own body that I went delivery and the doctor said, don't push. I looked up and I said, no, I'm pushing. Uh I had complete control to be able to talk. I ended up walking right after I gave birth. Wow. Um, he wanted to take control, and I said, no, I, I will do this on my terms, my body. So I was still able to talk and communicate my medical needs, even under a deep, deep state of hypnosis. Uh-huh. Amazing. And that is what women report, too. It's, it's not that you're out and you can't communicate. It's that you're in a deep state of hypnosis and you have full capability of also communicating what you need. And that's what was so shocking to me. You know, I had read that and I read the studies and I trusted what I was studying. But to be able to actually do it... Because you're programmed, an authoritative figure, a doctor in a medical situation is don't do something. We're programmed. Okay, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. But because I was so highly focused and highly determined, I already knew what my body was telling me was right and he was wrong. And, and later he came and he says, I need to apologize to you. And I was like, for what? And he's like, I told you to do something that was against what your body wanted to do. And he's like, you've taught me so much during this delivery. Wow. That's a great doctor, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And you have two daughters, right? Yes, two daughters. Okay, so that was the second one's birth or the first? That was the second one. The second one. Okay, wonderful. So then what was your your next foray into hypnosis? Um, well, I practiced it just doing meditation um, up until my, my husband now, then fiance, was diagnosed with a terminal cancer. So knowing the power of the mind, I started reading researching researching hypnotherapist. And I found a fantastic one, Dr. Joyce Glasser, who was in our area in Mount Dora, uh, Florida. And, and I contacted her and I said, you know, my, my husband's getting ready to go, my fiance's getting ready to go through stem cell transplant. And they've given him 18 months to live. And this was four years ago, actually four and a half years ago. Um, I would like to see what's, what healing effects we can do through hypnosis. Um, and she's like, well, what about you? Said, well, what about me? She's like, I can probably help you too. What's going on in your life? You're dealing with a lot. And I said, well, I have multiple sclerosis, but that's mm-hmm. not an issue. Don't, don't worry about me. And being the clinician she is, she's like, if you think about it, call me. I can help you with you as well. Um, I ended up calling her and four years later, I am symptom free from what I was told I would be blind in a wheelchair and never be able to have children. 
Wow. So yeah. I, I attribute that to every fiber of my being attributes that to what I went through through hypnotherapy and core healing and healing my mind to heal my body. Mm. So can you tell us like what she worked on? Like how long was this treatment? I know this is going to be of such interest because there's there's huge numbers of people with MS and um, it is such a debilitating disease as well as you know millions with cancer as well. But can you tell us like how long was the treatment? Did she, what kind of work did she do with you when you're talking about the core healing? So the first thing she did was actually, I, I took an MMPI. Um, I took the MMPI to, to find out if, you know, obviously any pathologies or personality disorders. And I didn't know the results till years later. I didn't ask you to disclose, but she took that information and then developed a sense of who I was. And she'd ask me questions. I had so, to fill out an anxiety scale. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to pause you for a minute. The MMPI is a Minnesota multiphasic. Uh, personality inventory. Thank you. Personality inventory. <laughs> and it is a long test and asks all different kinds of questions. And then you get results about like, you know, what type of personality do you have? Often the military uses it. Po- police recruiters often listen to like all kinds of different organizations use it to um, sometimes eliminate people, sometimes qualify people. Yes. And it's a great way for someone to understand quickly what your personality traits and factors are. Yes. Um, And she had taken that information, then asked me a series of questions to rate questions. It was very fascinating. It was why questions? Why do I feel angry when I'm, I'm just going to draw a vague res- when someone cuts me off when I'm driving? Um, I can't exactly remember the questions she asked, but it was mm-hmm. a series of why questions to ask myself. Why do I feel upset if my husband doesn't take the garbage out? Mm-hmm. Uh, things along those lines. She took that information and started to build a system of what I believe to be true about myself. Mm. Um, and it resolved that I had a sense of feeling invalid, um, Mm. a sense of not important. Mm -hmm. And that was a core belief that can drive, believe it or not, can drive an illness. Mm. Because I have later to learn, looking back now, when one feels unimportant, you strive to feel important. You strive to feel recognized. Yes. My illness gave me a sense of feeling important and a sense of gaining attention. Mm. I'm not saying people with MS are looking for attention. Not at all. For mm-hmm. me specifically, I got, I received from my mother the attention I sought for for my entire life when I was sick. Mm. Um, almost like creating an illness for me that I didn't create the illness. I made the illness more prominent and more powerful because I got a, I had a need filled by my mother receiving attention. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You're saying that for for some people, and you're saying it's, it's very specific to the person, but for some people, it's not that you created this in your body, but it's like you magnified it because for emotional reasons, basically. So do you see that in terms of you know, sometimes illnesses get worse because of emotional reasons, or they can get better because of emotional reasons as well? 100% accurate. Okay. 
and what I, what the therapist, hypnotherapist, Dr. Glasser helped me recognize it. And this is on a very deep subconscious level. I was not aware I was doing this. And if you would have asked me, I probably gotten upset and said, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would have argued with her that this was happening if she would have told me at the time. But it filled a need that I didn't know was there. It, it it filled a sense of, well, I'm important enough now to receive attention from my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took, the process took, I would say, a little over a year. And at first I would see her about once every other week. And then it got to be about once, once a month. And during the session, she would take the information she learned about me and we would go to major moments in my life that developed a core belief, a sense that I believed I was not important. And a moment that stood out to me that we went back and resolved was I was a five-year-old child on the side of the road, all dressed for church. My mother had left me on the side of the road of a busy road because I wasn't ready enough and my hair didn't look cute enough. And it's not, my, it's not my place <laughs> to judge where she was at. It is my place to heal myself. Yes, yeah. So I have complete, with this process, I have healed whatever negative emotions I once felt for her. Those are healed as well. Um, mm. So I went back to the moment and I took the moment back. Hey, it's not okay to leave your child on the side of the road. It's okay. I don't look perfect. And it's okay that I was running late. Mm-hmm. Now, Take her in your arms, hug her, tell her it's okay, put her in the back seat, put a seatbelt on and say, it's okay, my love, everyone runs late and you look beautiful and drive off to church. That moment alone took back the power where I felt important enough. Mm, So take little moments like that and taking them back as an adult, reframing how it should happen, then taking the belief I'm not important enough putting a new one. I'm very important. I'm very valuable and I'm very worth your time to stop. And I'm worth being five minutes late to church if for some reason something happened in my five-year-old life where I'm running late. I replace the not important Mm -hmm. with I am important. I am valuable. Yeah. So she's going back. um, I just did an interview on another podcast called Women in Depth with awesome podcast. I love it about inner child hypnosis. So it sounds like she's, she's doing that, right? Going back to moments in childhood when that inner child, the little bitty child was injured emotionally. That's exactly it. And in those moments of injury, emotional, whether it's emotional or psychological, um, even in physical, the messages that the child takes imprints in their subconscious. Well, I'm not important enough for her to wait for me Mm -hmm. or I'm not loved enough for her to stop the car. And those messages, they they form, I think of it as as a star, a little star develops inside and then a constellation grows upon this. And these are the core beliefs. So a little star began at my five-year-old self, you're not important. Mm -hmm. Then I spend a lifetime of other events building a constellation around this star Fast forward to 30 years later, I have a whole galaxy built around, you're not important, you're not valuable, which then feeds into my disease. Okay, got it. So fascinating. Like really, really fascinating. So then hypnosis with her was going in and bursting some of those stars and making a new galaxy. Exactly it. That's exactly it. And while she was doing that, you saw 
transformation in your own disease process? Complete. It went from sick 20 days out of the month to I am symptom free to the point now. And it's what's fascinating about hypnosis is it's not always immediate that day results. You'll notice about two, three weeks later, wow, I'm not tired today. Mm -hmm. About a month or two later, you know, I haven't had a dizzy spell in three or four weeks. About six months later, you know, the right side of my leg isn't numb anymore. Wow, that's kind of weird. Because each time a new event happens that I now know I'm of value and I know I'm important, keeps building stars in my constellation and my galaxy and it strengthens it. And I, I have to say that it's been four years and I see the neurologist and I have MRIs. And mm-hmm. the neurologist says, what you, the first question was, what's your diet? I said, well, I'm gluten-free, but not because of my MS. I just get a, a, an upset tummy if I eat gluten. Mm-hmm. She's like, what else are you doing different? And I said, okay, why are you asking me these questions? She's like, because on your MRI, the lesions that you had before are no longer there. Wow. I said, well, I'm doing something called core healing through hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she she, she said, you have a completely normal exam. There was not any sign of weakness or aphasia where you're not able to speak well. Mm-hmm. I had this thing in my eyes where my eyes would shake, uh, nystagmus. That's mm-hmm. gone. There was no neurological signs that I had MS. Um, wow. And I said, I have a question to ask you. If I was to do a lumbar puncture, can I prove to you I no longer have the disease? Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, well, let's start with another MRI in six months and follow up. And she says, document what you're doing. Um, so that's what I started about a year ago is trying to document the work with Dr. Glasser with my medical results. And then that's when I'm starting my PhD to then start having evidence-based that what I am doing somehow is transforming on a very deep molecular DNA level. It's the deans are expressing differently in my disease because I have refigured my constant amount of value and of importance. I'm really incredible. And what was, so the neurologist wanted you to document. Yes. And, but it also sounded like she uh, reacted positively to the hypnosis. I'm trying to imagine this conversation in the office when you pop out <laughs> hypnosis, right? And she's like, what? You know? <laughs> That's exactly, I did get, I did get that look. So I stopped talking about hypnosis and I just said the power of the mind to heal is, it's beyond what we could ever imagine and ever measure. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I agree with that. And I, and then I, I changed the language. I said a positive attitude can heal a lot. And she says, you know, I agree with that also. So I changed the language from hypnosis to something that she could, she could stomach. Yes. She could relate to, she could understand. Yes. Because we, uh, I mean, almost any doctor will admit that stress and lifestyle, meaning like diet, exercise, um, but attitude absolutely affects the progression of a disease or the healing or how someone handles. I mean, most of them do believe that. They, she did. And I, as the appointment was wrapping up, I said, what I'd like to do is I am starting the study. Um, I will I will present the evidence to you as I get it. And she says, I really look forward to learning this. Wonderful. So that so, was about a year ago. Are you looking for other cases too that Dr. Glasser's worked with or other people who have a mess who 
um, are trying this treatment? Well, I am starting, I start my, my PhD coming up this August. It, it, the way I can describe it is I have a lot of puzzle pieces in the air and I'm slowly one by one pulling them down and making the puzzle complete. I have started working with um, women who are battling opioid addiction and I'm looking to measure the difference with them as well. So to answer your question, I'm looking to do, yes, I'm looking to contact several different fields. The GI field, um, especially IBS as an area of focus. Mm-hmm. Neurology, autoimmune diseases, not just MS, but autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. And in addition, um, people, I, I've just, I work with women in the past, but I'm not excluding males, uh, people struggling with opioid addiction, how I've noticed hypnosis transform their addiction in their lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we move to opiate addiction, can you talk about some of the effects for your husband as well? Did he end up going to the hypnosis or was it mainly you? No, he went as well. Um, so he was given 18 months to live and hypnosis is not a cure for cancer. It, 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 mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, let's be clear about that. <laughs> right? like, we're yes. not curing cancer with hypnosis. Right. Not at all. Um and Dr. Glasser didn't claim that, and I would never claim that. What she had done and what I'm looking to continue is he had to go through a stem cell transplant and had to go through chemo. So she, we are programmed listening to people go through chemo and watching them suffer. Chemo makes you sick and vomit, and mm-hmm. you can't get up and you're weak. Well, she took that belief and installed in him, instilled in him, during hypnosis, you will become stronger, healthier, more vibrant. The chemo will eradicate the disease as you are feeling none of the side effects. I don't know the script she used, but I know it was along those lines. She took the belief that you'll be sick and vomiting, debilitated, Mm -hmm. to you will feel healthy, strong, and you'll go stronger and stronger each dose of chemo you receive. Mm -hmm. Fascinating, because that really is the point of chemo. When you think about it, is to heal the body and make it stronger and so that we can live, right? Yes. And the doctors kept saying, you're going to be sick, you're going to vomit. And my husband, his name was Jim. He said, stop right there. I'll sign whatever you need me to sign, but please stop telling me how sick I'll be on this disease, on this chemo. I will not be sick. Yeah, but, but, but. And and arguing started taking place in in the hospital room. And Uh I said, I speak in his behalf. He's asked to sign a waiver. He understands the side effects. Can we please no longer discuss it? Because he's doing something very different. He's healing his body through chemo, not harming it. So his treatments were so severe, he had to be hospitalized for Mm -hmm. every four days. He had to be hospitalized. And then two weeks later, every four days hospitalized. And the doctor said, this chemo, we're going to take you on the brink of death, but we're not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And you have to be hospitalized because a heart attack and stroke happened. And I think it was something 76% of the patients have a heart, to- heart attack or a stroke on this certain chemo. Mm-hmm. So while he's in the hospital, he, he would re- on, he would have the port hooked up and he got up every morning at 5 a.m., got dressed, put his shoes on, had to have special permission from the board of the hospital to get his port unhooked. Mm-hmm. He either walked or jogged three miles every morning during chemo. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Incredible. Never missed a day of work. He worked from his iPad. He made every conference call. Never missed a day of work. 
his chemo doctors, oncologists, actually wrote a paper on him and presented it at Moffitt. They had never seen anything like it. Wow. And the paper includes how he did this with hypnosis or they left that part out? They left that part out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were just like case study, Jim, they, the Superman. They called him hard-headed. He was called <laughs> the, hard-headed, the hard-headed patient is what they call him. Oh, that's a cute title, the, the hard-headed patient. And wow. it explained, eventually we explained he had undergone hypnosis and we, re- we reframed that chemo was there to heal him, not harm him. Mm-hmm. With that reframe is why you're seeing these results. And theirs was, we believe you and don't stop. Keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So then fast forward, you had to have a stem cell transplant. And you have to stay on hospital premise or close within five miles for up to six months. Well, he had this goal in his mind. He had to be out for Christmas. Now, I... I have to raise my hand and say, I was a doubting Thomas. I'm like, honey, I understand hypnosis is powerful. And this is later on my lesson in practice. Mm-hmm. But let's be realistic. Um, but I kept saying, but you know, let's just be realistic here. And he's like, please have some faith in me. I said, okay, I will. And quietly, I was like, oh my gosh, this man is kind of crazy. He thinks he's going to leave the stem cell. This is stem cell. He has no immune system. They wiped your immune system to zero, to you're at, they actually consider you a newborn because you have no antibodies, you have no ability to fight anything, and you have to stay in a very sterile environment. Mm-hmm. Well, he was convinced by Christmas he can go home and celebrate with his family, which is exposing him to all of these germs. Yeah. And I just didn't say anything, but quietly doubted him. I supported him, but quietly doubted him. By golly, came the day he said, I'm going home. I'm getting discharged. I'm be- I'm, I am well enough to go home. His lab results allowed him to go home two months early. Holy cow. Two months early. I completely doubt him the whole time. And this is when I have come to believe and know if you believe it, it actually does work. Mm-hmm. He believed it. I didn't. Even my expertise, I didn't believe it, but he did. Mm-hmm. It worked. And would he, on a practical level, would he listen to those hypnosis files or this was just like sessions in her office? Sessions in her office. And they did, because then he couldn't see her once. Now he's on strict. Um, he only can, only two people are allowed to see him. It's my, his caregivers, myself and his father oh. in a sterilized room. They would then do it over the phone. Oh, really? So they would do sessions over the phone for him. And she would keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. And these are like weekly sessions, daily? Like <laughs> They were daily. Because daily, the, okay. The, the toll of, the mental toll of facing death is insurmountable. I can't imagine yes. it. I just witnessed him going through it. And mm-hmm. he needs the pep talks. And I'm sure on some level... He, I, 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 I doubted. I, I actually doubted, which was a big learning curve for me later on in life. But she never doubted the power, Dr. Glasser. Mm-hmm. And he never doubted the power. Wow. Yeah. So the combination of those two put together just created incredible results. Yes, that's it exactly. And he, the power, he kept saying, I can heal myself. I can do this. Um. After he was discharged early, I had this huge epiphany like, 
oh my gosh, you know, you felt it, you've preached it, but now you truly believe it. You just, I just witnessed someone go through something that should have killed him or should have had him hospitalized for months Mm -hmm. and it didn't. Mm -hmm. And that was a very powerful moment for me. And it solidified my journey battling multiple sclerosis. This could be a permanent result, you being healthy for the rest of your life, not just temporary. Mm -hmm. Um, So now he goes back uh, and he is still, they consider him non-curable. But he is four years past his life expectancy, and he he's still cancer free. He has side effects. We have medical side effects, but he's still cancer free. Wow! What kind of cancer was it? It's or called mantle it- cell lymphoma blastoid variant. Okay, all right. Because I, I know I'll get questions about that. So incredible! They don't ever consider him like cancer free, but. He's basically, he's experienced some side effects, but he's lived way past any kind of expectancy. Yes. And the side effects are coming from what's called rituxin. He's on a daily, uh, uh, sorry, um, every three months he's on a, uh, a maintenance drug. Well, mm-hmm. the maintenance drugs has side effects. It, it, it is lower to testosterone and has other yeah. side effects, but it's nothing that you can't balance out. Mm-hmm. And, and he is balancing it out and I'll see him slipping a little bit and I'll be like, honey, time for a tune up. Uh-huh. He'll call. He'll call. <laughs> so it's not something you can just do and forget about. They require, if you can't maintain it yourself, they require tune-ups. Mm-hmm. Meaning what? Like the hypnosis or the drugs or? The hypnosis. The hypnosis tune-ups. Okay. So he needs because to call in. Life can be very challenging with cancer, just in general. Yes. It requires little tune-ups here and there to keep the constellation growing instead of dwindling. Yes, absolutely. So what are the signs for you when you say, hey, honey, you need a tune-up? Like what starts happening? Um, Irritability is the first thing I notice. Um, And he won't listen to his body and he'll push it so far to the brink of go, 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 go. And his body will, he'll start limping. Mm-hmm. Something arthritis will start popping in. Um, and that's honey. And I'll start noticing he'll, he's ignoring his body. But when you're doing tune-ups, you're in tune to your body. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's ignoring his body talking to him. And when I see him limping from the arthritis, which is caused from the chemo and the, re- the rituxin, the maintenance drug, and he'll keep powering through it. Time for reminder to heal the body, not harm the body. Mm. So then he calls up and he'll do a session or a couple of sessions, and then you'll see the limp disappear. I'll, I'll see his attitude of, um, of the, his, his old core belief of power through everything. Mm-hmm. Go, go, go. Reminds, wait, stop, heal, slow down honor the body, ah, care it. for the body. So his core belief is to go, go, go power through all pain. Uh-huh. Is but he an ex-athlete? Uh, he is, he was, he's a retired executive. He, oh. was, a NAS, he was a NASCAR driver. <laughs> okay. NASCAR driver. All right. Very driven. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's on the same level as professional athletes. Like yes. CEOs. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes, yes. That, exactly. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So then the message there is not necessarily like it can take away your arthritis, but it's more like, all right, you need the tune up to say, hey, it's okay 
to not power through, to heal the body, to slow down, to tend to it so that then you can have the, the progress that it needs. Exactly. So today he went to yoga meditation and mm-hmm. spent that time, what he was trying to do, visualize your body healing and actually, believe it or not, sending love. You know, your knee hurts. Oh, my knee hurts. You start getting mad at it. Well, mm-hmm. through this, send it love. Give it compassion. Yes, you've gone You've gone through chemo. No wonder you're aching. It's okay. To honor the body's aches and pains and yes. then visualize them healing. Yes, absolutely. I used to um, talk about that when I taught a lot of prenatal yoga, how to always talk to our bodies gently. And I had honestly read it in a book, like, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, of a woman who could see pain in the body somehow. And this is a vague memory of the book. But the message that I always brought away from that was talk to your parts very gently, comfort them, like don't put them down, don't get angry at the knee that won't work or the foot that's, you know, giving you pain, like instead, talk to it as if you would a small child, like it's going to be okay, we're going to heal, you're going to get better. The same kind of messages. Yeah. That's, that's well put. I like that. Talk to it as if it's a child. That's really well put. And that's it exactly, that compassion. Yes. Well, as if we would talk to a small child, I have to put in there, right? Because Yes, <laughs> as if we would talk to a small child. Yes, yes, exactly. Because I'm, re- I'm realizing more and more, the more work I do around inner child hypnosis, that's, that's not always how people talk to a small child. And then that is how those wounds happen. Like you're not perfect or stop crying or, you know, I'm going to leave you on the side of the road because your hair isn't brushed. You know, like it's crazy, right? And again, not to judge that, but I'm saying like move into the more compassionate self that says, okay, I'm going to talk to you like I would talk to my own small children, which is hopefully gently. Not 100% yes. of the time. We're not perfect, right? But when we have a choice and we can slow down and pay attention to that, that's generally the choice we make. It, it would say a kind compassion for our own bodies. Yes. And it, it, it's, it emulates health. Yes, right. Emulates health. Wonderful. So can we move on to the opiates? I, I'm really interested in that and your work with opiate addiction. Can you tell us about that? During my master's, you were required as mental to to spend about 18 months working with clients. Where I worked was at a residential treatment center for women who are battling opioid addiction. And I was granted permission to go ahead and use hypnosis. And I started doing group hypnosis with them to begin to, to teach them how to meditate and to relax. And I one time I had done what's called a future self. Mm-hmm. I had a group of 30 women in there and I imagine themselves who they want to be. And we went through this guided meditation hypnosis where you're sculpting from clay and what are you wearing? What's your hair look like? What's your posture? Afterward, I had about 10 women come up to me. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Can I have individuals with you? Um, and I started just that alone that alone started change. I started noticing the change. Wow, they their smile, their skin looks a little brighter. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, women who are newly anyone who's newly sober and in recovery, their skin looks a certain way, their hair's a certain way, the body is 
is leaving the shedding the old and bringing the new. So there is actual physical transformation that's taking place. Yes. Yeah. During a six month recovery time. Right. They actually, and the opposite when you're in addiction, you know, they use those pictures to like scare kids never to do their drugs, yeah. <laughs> like before and afters, right? It, because it physically takes a toll. But when you get into recovery and when you get sober, and the longer that extends, that also your body begins to heal and your appearance yes. begins to return to a more, you know, quote unquote, normal, healthier, like a, a different tone to your skin and your hair and how you hold yourself. Everything changes. Yes. On a cellular level, level it begins to change. And after this first session, these women had this huge smile on their face. I don't typically see genuine big smiles on faces in a treatment center. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they're separated from their children. It's a very low point in their lives. I'm like, wow, they're smiling. I I have to do that again. Um, So I started seeing about 10 to 12 women immediately after that first session. And they were like, wow, that future self was so amazing. Can you work more with me? Mm -hmm. And so I started with, I have to get to know you first. So we would draw a picture on uh, this is a nonprofit, so we had chalkboards. Mm-hmm. We'd draw a picture of, and I would draw a picture of a girl with a dress on. I said, now tell me what you believe to be true about yourself. So they would walk up and start writing what they truly I'm unimportant. I'm unloved. I'm unwanted. I'm ugly. I'm fat. Um, and they would start writing down what they believe to be true about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I have found more often than not, people in recovery who want to be sober are very willing to open up about their true selves. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I got to kind of bypass what normally would be a struggle to get to know someone. They're so willing to grow and change. So I would have instant access to their core beliefs. Um, then we would we'd start to, well, if you were to be your future self that we discussed, and we would do a couple sessions of future self, what does your future self believe? So they would write down, I'm valuable, I'm important, I'm successful, I'm loved. Um, and a lot of times a, a, a framework of emotionally independent came would come through. I, I can be emotionally happy without drugs, without my husband, without. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would go under hypnosis and I would remove those core beliefs and go back to moments in their lives when they first began to feel unloved or unwanted. And when I have to say this, when working with, with trauma, mm-hmm. I never relived the moment. We disclose before hypnosis not to relive the moment, but how you would reframe the moment before it happened. Mm. That's an important um, distinction. Very important. Because one thing, I w- did not have the time to relive the moment. It is appropriate in certain settings to relive the moment. But I did not have the capacity to help the person heal the time to help them heal if we live, relive the moment. I, mm-hmm. I, it, the, the clinical setting I was in didn't allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. So it was very important that the woman going through this knew that for safety reasons and for, for me, for clinical reasons, we weren't going to relive the trauma. You were safe. But let's build up right to that moment. We put a, a line up. We're not going to go over here. We're going to stop right here. And it would give her back the power in the moment. Mm-hmm. How would you change this moment? How would you say, not okay, stop what you're doing, call 911. They got to rewrite the script to how they want to handle what happened. Beautiful. Then, 
we would put in the, I am so important. You cannot do this to me and it's not okay. Stop. And I love and value myself so much. I'm going to walk and leave this house. And then they would go, we'd vision and go calling an uncle or an aunt or someone where they're safe. Mm-hmm. And I noticed when they came out of the session, the sense of empowerment. And I remember thinking, let's just see how long this lasts. But I would do what I call an imprint. I would imprint whatever you have learned about yourself today, you carry with you from this, every step you take, this part of yourself grows stronger and stronger. And mm-hmm. this is with you forever. This is now a part of you. So I would do what's called a suggestion where this would grow within them. This would be a star that would start growing a constellation. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case I didn't see them again in, in the setting I was in. So I, I would, I started growing this I had now had two week waiting lists because the women were trans transforming so much in these sessions because they're so willing and they mm-hmm. believed. And that's, what's a key component. I started noticing quicker than the six month period. Usually when you start seeing the skin change Yes. within two months, I'm starting to see bright. The skin goes from gray to a yellow to a white. And I've started to see if the gray to the white trend, a normal skin color, or from a, a a gray to a more pigment could be any any color skin. Mm-hmm. Much much quicker. I started seeing the cellular change quicker. The eyes were clearing up quicker mm-hmm. because they believed that they were of value now. Yes, and no longer invaluable. Yes, I, I'm imagining part of your studies for the dissertation is doing long term follow up on that, like. Is it affecting sobriety rates? Is there less chance of relapse? Like that kind of data. That's exactly what I'm going for. So I have two clients that I have kept from from there that were willing to be a part of a long-term study. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I, I do not know. I, she has not co- contacted me. I do not know if she's busy with her child because she regained custody of her child or if she's re- relapsed. So that I do not know. But the other one, we're now eight months into it. This is what's fascinating, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. She was diagnosed with hepatitis B. Mm-hmm. I want to put this in my study. The doctor said he's never seen anything like it, but she no longer has the antibodies for hepatitis B. Really? That floored me. Yeah. <laughs> it's shocking. Just I'm not saying hypnosis did this. I'm uh-huh. not at all making that claim because we had just started the work because I asked her, please ask your physician what language would be, what would be the ideal outcome for your liver and your body? What would he like to see happen? I wanted the doctor's language to put into our sessions. Mm-hmm. Well, she gave me a couple of key words he had said, and we had one session where we introduced that, her liver and her body healing but she did so much work on her own. She said she would go into prayer meditation three, four, five, six times a day and envision her body healing itself. So hmm. she did so much work on her own and she called me. Uh, I'm going to go to the doctor and get my lab results. I said, well, please let me know what happens. And I, I didn't, it never occurred to me that there would be no detectable signs of the hepatitis never occurred to me. Mm -hmm. She called me crying a half hour later. You would not believe this. And I I said, we, we definitely have to document this. We have to document it. 
it was her work on her own that she took the tool she had learned and started mm-hmm. doing self-hypnosis to self-heal. Wow. Incredible. It truly is. And yeah. this is where I want to take what I am witnessing and have evidence-based research to back this up. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm such a big fan of research myself as well. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, give me um, 50 of those, right? <laughs> like, yeah, prove it, prove it. Yes, prove it. prove it. Prove it. Don't believe you, prove it. Yeah. So this this is wonderful. Actually, the research that you're doing and spearheading is wonderful. Like, let's I'm see if looking, this stuff is... looking to prove the benefits of core healing through the use of hypnosis. Mm-hmm. But with the caveat, self-hypnosis is a large component of this. Giving people the tool to heal themselves is a large, large component of this. Yes. So having them practice at home and learning the skill of self-hypnosis, not just in the office. Correct. Correct. Definitely. We're coming to the end of our time here. So this has just been absolutely fascinating. Please tell people how they can contact you. And you're in a place where they can work with you, correct? You have a private practice? Correct. Yes, I do. Okay. So please tell them how they can contact you if they'd like to either be a part of the study or do some of this core healing independent of the study. My business is called Healing Passages. H-E-L-I-N-G, Passages, P-A-S-S-A-G-E-S. And that is a double entendre because there's many different passages we can take to heal. Mm-hmm. You can reach me. My phone number is it for that is 407-326-9072. Or my email is healingpassages7, the number seven, uh, not spelled out, just the number, at gmail.com. Okay. And you're in private practice where? In Claremont, Florida. Claremont, which is yeah. just outside of Orlando? Is that Right correct? outside of Orlando. Um, I work at a facility called Milestone Counseling mm-hmm. and my own private practice within their building. Okay. Got it. So come to Florida, go to Disney, send the kids to Disney and go do your yes. healing. Right? <laughs> to the Skylar. Yeah. Right. And Elizabeth, I have to disclose, I am a registered mental health counseling intern. Yes. I, I, am, I do not have my full license. So I am working under someone who has their full license, whereas because I am just a registered intern at this point. Yes. Well, not just. Let's take the just off, right? Like, Thank you. Like you're really incredible registered yeah. intern doing amazing healing work, right? Oh, thank you. <laughs> under the supervision of someone's license. Correct. In, in Florida, just... So people know you do a certain number of hours of the, of that under the supervision of someone. And then eventually you set a licensing exam and you're fully licensed to practice on your own. But it's obviously there's incredible work going on that you're doing and healing people. There is. And I, I, I want to heal and serve as many people as I possibly can as someone once did for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being here. I will definitely have the contact information in the show notes. So you can always go to the website to see those or even put the um, description, hit the full description on your, your podcast player and Skylar's information will be there. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Elizabeth.
I hope that you've really enjoyed that interview. I know for me, I was just blown away, like blown away by what she said. You know, I love hypnosis. I use hypnosis all the time. I read the research around hypnosis, but there's something about talking to someone who has really seen her whole entire physical being transform as well as her emotional, spiritual being transformed by hypnosis. And then to take that and to become trained herself and be able to offer that to other people as an act of service, like that is just so incredible to me and so meaningful. So I was really struck by the different uses and how she talked about hypnosis as changing the body on a cellular level and going back and changing those beliefs you know, I know how powerful the inner child hypnosis work is. I was interviewed on the Women in Death podcast, like I said, and the link to that interview will be in the show notes. It's a wonderful podcast. But to hear Skylar talk about it on the level that she did in terms of changing these core beliefs about ourselves. So yes, you're going back and healing incidents and healing relationships with loved ones, caregivers, parents, but you're also changing those core beliefs. You're changing your constellation. You're changing your galaxy so that you can move forward with a more powerful, supportive galaxy that you live in. That's a piece that I didn't know was going to be part of the interview and was unexpected and was absolutely delightful for me to hear. So I hope you really enjoyed that as well. Okay, people. Keep up those core beliefs. You are beautiful. You are loved. You are precious beings. Wherever you are in the world listening to this, please believe that about yourself. You are precious, precious beings, and you do have a purpose here in the world, whether that's to bring a smile to someone when you're just walking down a street or a road, or whether it's work that extends to more and more people and changes people's lives. You do have a meaning here and a purpose, and it's an important piece of who you are. So I'm hoping really positive core beliefs for you. I'm hoping that if you're a parent listening to this, you really pay attention to the core beliefs that you instill in your children as well. I know I try to do that very consciously and I'm not perfect. I totally mess up sometimes. You know, I lose my patience. I get tired. We do mess up sometimes. We're not perfect. But if over and over our children hear that they have a purpose, they have meaning, they are precious beings, then that sets them on a much healthier path emotionally. That's it for this week, people. Peace. If you like this episode, do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe on whatever player you like, or even better, tell a friend so that more and more people learn about hypnosis and how it can be helpful for them. If you want to know more about me, head over to drlizhypnosis.com. That's D-R-L-I-Z, hypnosis.com. You can see the downloads and see if there's one that's helpful for your life. Or you could also join the newsletter and get a couple of free files as well as lots of good content. I've written a newsletter for well over 10 years. Go ahead and subscribe and join the rest of the world. All right, people have a wonderful week.